Well, we're back in ordinary time, but let's remember the word "ordinary" does not mean boring. We're in the ordered or counted weeks of the year when we work our way chronologically through one of the gospels. Last week, maybe you remember, we started working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and I'm sure you remember that Matthew is my favorite gospel. It's the teaching gospel, the gospel that has the most. Influence on what we understand ourselves to be as Christians. It's the most influential. But every year, for the second week of ordinary time, we hear from the Gospel of John. Now, I'm sure you remember that John is my favorite gospel. It has the highest Christology, illustrating Jesus's unique relationship with the Father. But why John, and why now? In this second week, we always hear a story from John about how somebody comes to recognize Jesus as the Christ. Now, John writes like Picasso paints. He's very metaphorical, and he has very different goals from Matthew, Mark, or Luke. When we hear about John the Baptist today, let's forget about everything we know about him from the other Gospels. Here, it is clear John is not. Elijah, and he is not a prophet. In the glorious prologue to this gospel, it said, "John came for testimony to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light." John the Baptist's job is no different from ours. Our job is also to witness to the light, even if we've strayed into the darkness. We're still called to be. Children of the light. When I was a musician growing up in Pittsburgh, I had the opportunity to sing and play in a variety of mainline Protestant churches—Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Methodist, and Lutheran churches, in particular. When I was a chaplain at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, I had the privilege of offering prayers for Hindus, Jews, Unitarian Universalists. Jehovah's Witnesses, members of the United Church of Christ, and agnostics. When I was a Paul Seminarian in Washington D.C., I went out of my way to attend prayer services of other traditions. I sat in Quaker meetings, went to Orthodox services, Mennonite, Holiness, Ruthenian, Anglo-Catholic, Muslim, and Sikh services. And each of these experiences has enriched me. Each has reassured me of the commonality of all of our beliefs, and each of them has challenged me with the differences. They've caused me to ask myself: Are there gifts in these other traditions that can enhance my own spirituality? Well, since moving here to East Tennessee exactly two years ago today, I've had a lot more opportunities to pray with our evangelical brothers and sisters. And I found that experience both enriching and challenging. Now, Father Charlie uses one word when he describes the style of evangelical our evangelical brothers and sisters in their prayer. He uses the word Jesus tastic because our evangelical brothers and sisters are just so. So concentrated on Jesus, and they attribute all kinds of characteristics to Jesus that we more often attribute to the Father or to the Holy Spirit. You might notice that in Catholic liturgy, most of our prayers are to the Father, through the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. 
But our evangelical brothers and sisters are so open and emotional about their relationship with Jesus, as they so often ask us, do you have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And sometimes I'm tempted to dismiss this style of prayer, to dismiss these questions as a simpler faith, a stage that I've transcended. But I realize, no, it's not that. It's, that's my cop-out, so I don't have to actually address the challenge they're giving to me. Because they are so in tune with the fact that to be a Christian, I need to continually nurture my relationship with Jesus the Christ. And that is the point of today's message, today's passage. The Gospel of John begins with a vivid, poetic, 18-verse prologue. You probably know a lot of it. It begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. But after that masterful prologue, the Gospel jumps to the story of John the Baptist foretelling Jesus' coming. And then we jump to this passage. This passage is only the third bit in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, where John the Baptist says he knows that Jesus is the Lamb of God because he saw the Holy Spirit come down on him. But this is really weird because there's no place in the Gospel of John that actually mentions Jesus being baptized. We had John say, I'm going to be baptizing and I'll know him. And then he says, yeah, that was him because I saw it when it happened. How weird. Why does John tell his story in such a convoluted way? To emphasize this point. To be a Christian, we must have an ongoing, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. In chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, John the Baptist and other early disciples called Jesus by 11 different Christological titles. And yet there's still another 20 chapters to this Gospel. Why are they there? Because they're filled of stories that will help us to grow in understanding, to help us to grow in relationship with Jesus. That's the ongoing challenge in any relationship we have. If you ever think you completely know your best friend, or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or your spouse, you've probably learned that you're not very deep into the relationship, because there's always a lot more to learn. And it's the same in our relationship with Jesus. We can always know him better. We must continue to spend time with him, continue to relate to him, continue to grow with him, to continue to grow into him. At the end of the spiritual exercises, the th classic 30-day prayer experience put together by St. Ignatius, on that last day, St. Ignatius teaches us a prayer that sums up this task we have as Christians. And you've probably heard this prayer before. It's simple and beautiful. But it's also very challenging. It calls us to an intimacy with Jesus that many of us probably think is beyond us. And yet we should strive to live this prayer more and more every day of our lives. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, 
my understanding, and my entire will. All I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me.